If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Through the covers, Steve Smith is back. And Fortress Edgebaston has been breached by the Australians. for four. What an innings, what a player. Oh my word, what a delivery that is. This is Pat Cummins, this is Australia, absolutely at their best. Oh, big shot, big shot, what's he doing? Gone! Marvellous scenes, Australia retain the ashes. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Unplayable Podcast. This is part six of our Ashes Revisited series and this episode is on the fifth test at the Oval. And here to look back on that test, we welcome former Australia fast bowler Peter Siddle. G'day Pete. Cheers Sammy, thanks for having me on mate. I've got to get used to calling you former Australia fast bowler now because uh, <laughs> that was your last test match. It was, it was. It's, um, I sort of thought it was going to be anyway um, when I went into it but um yeah, we after speaking with Paney and JL, sort of left it a jar a little bit of maybe having the possibility um, might come up during the summer where I could sort of have, you know, around friends and family and back home. But um, it was always kind of, you know, um, a big stretch. So, um, yeah, so it was, was to be my last one, but um, obviously not super memorable. But, um, yeah, a, 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 play, a place that I enjoy playing as in England and the Oval. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice place to finish up. All right, before we get on to your last test match, let's go back to the one before that in Manchester and that epic win by the Australians to retain the Ashes. How was the vibe in the group after that win in Manchester? I think just probably if any of you sort of think back to the test before and the result we had there um, and the mood we'll probably in leading into Manchester, um, you know, it was a complete 180 from, you know, doom and gloom of what happened in at Headingley to um, to what we did in Manchester to get that get that result retain the um, the urn uh, yeah I think it was an amazing turnaround because we could have easily um, you know just threw it in and and um, easily got beaten in those next two tests and the series be done and and you know you sort of ruin the opportunities you had but um, yeah I think that buzz uh, you know I was on the sidelines in that game but you know when the decision went up. 
um, and just the excitement on the sidelines with the boys that weren't playing. Um, and then, you know, the, the, seeing the boys out in the middle, getting the job done, um, just super exciting. Um, we did achieved what we wanted to um, to that to that point. Um, so, yeah, very, um, very exciting series. How was the, the change room after that win? Because uh, the test, the Amazon doco, Shows you, you <laughs> saw, they, they, they raised the finger in the reenactment of the last wicket, but you're quick to point out, hang on, Craig Overton slash Mitch Marsh has reviewed it. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, just just those little things and and like those things, they're not, they're, they're not things to be, that we're, we're trying to be cocky or anything like that. I no. think it's, it's just the excitement of the moment that, you know, had happened um, a few hours before that, I think. Yeah, like I said, it was the it was a series that um, you know that had a lot of a p- potential if we could, if we could perform well and um, yeah to to get that result um, out in the field and then yeah to be able to have a bit of banter up upstairs um, uh, about it in in the celebrations was good fun and I think that was some of the best um, memories that I'll look back on just you know in the rooms for a couple of hours all together um, just enjoying each other's company and what we'd achieved. And like I said, what, what we turned around from the previous test match to where we were in those change rooms celebrating and um, enjoying the, um, the result of that test match, um, I think, yeah, a lot of credit goes to the whole squad to be able to turn things around so quickly. Now, did you think it was going to be hard for your guys to get up for the last test? Uh, probably, probably not so much um, leading in. I think, yeah, I think, you know, you've, you, you've had that win, you've, you've, you've got the momentum at that time and we probably thought... Um, we probably thought in a way it was probably just going to happen that, you know, we'd be able to perform well enough and get the result um, going into that last test. But uh, now that I look back on it, you think back and, um, yeah, you go back to the third test, everything we put in there, getting so close and then losing. Um, the emotion after that game, how flat and disappointed everyone was to then go from, you know, from rock bottom to yeah. the high of retaining in Manchester. Um I think yeah, you sort of look back now and you sort of you know that roller coaster. It definitely did take its toll. I think um, those two weeks leading up to that last test um, had worn us down. And I think you know we'd put a lot of time and energy into the series leading up throughout the start of the series um, to the point where I think yeah we just you know we 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 were done. And I think um, you know they probably showed a few little mishaps. Um, along the way in that last test where in previous, uh, you know, at the start of the series, we'll capitalising on them and, and, and turning uh, turning those little those little efforts throughout a test match to wins where it, it cost us in the last test. Mm. Now England make two changes, Overton and Roy out, Sam Curran and Wokes in. Australia also make two changes for the fifth test. Mitch Marsh comes in for Travis Head, while Mitch Stark is dropped for you. When did you know that you were playing? Um... I think it was the morning of. Mm. I can't. I can't really remember. I think it was a bit of a blur. I think, yeah, we didn't really know, and um, yeah, sort of just. I think, I'm pretty sure I got the got the tap early on. Were you surprised? Um, I wasn't sure. Like, uh, I think you know, after the result of that test, um, but yeah, you, you're just never sure after a win. I think it's always, you know, it's always up in the air whether they're going to make any changes after a win. So that's always the tough one. And I think my record at um, the Oval. Uh, not just in county cricket, but in the previous test matches I've played there was pretty good. So that's a ground I've had success on. Um, and, um, yeah, so it was sort of, 
I, I still had no idea though. Like I think, yeah, it's one of those ones that you know it could go my way because I do have a good record there, but coming off a win, so it could easily go the other way and um, and, and I miss out. So it was always going to be tight, and obviously, yeah, to, to in the end get the get the nods always um, always great because another opportunity to represent your country. Josh Hazelwood missed out on the first test in a similar situation. He was told on the morning of, I think, and um, uh, that he wasn't playing, and we asked him. When would be the ideal time to know that you're playing? And he said the night before. So for you as a fast bowler, when do you want to know that you're playing in test matches? Is morning of okay or would you like as much time to prepare as possible? Um, I don't think it matters too much with the preparation. It's probably just more the emotion the next day um, is probably the one that gets you, especially yeah. if you're not playing. I think if, if you end up being the one playing, you, you, or you're instantly like, yes, I'm in. I'm ready to go. Okay, let's go. Um, I think the hard one's definitely the emotion of not playing. You know, missing out when you always think you should be playing, whether you shouldn't be or not. Um, so I think that's the hard one sometimes to come to grips with. You know, you, you, you instantly you're not picked, but the game starts in, you know, an hour's time, hour and a half's time. Um, you've got to be there and do everything you can for the team um, on the sidelines, which you know um, can, can be a, can be a very tough job at times. So. Uh, the night, the night before, probably does make it easier. Um, probably to, to settle a little bit, but um, yeah, it definitely solves for um, being too shitty the next day um, when you get told you're not playing. I was going to say it must be tough when you see Mitch Stark, who gets the bad news, and you guys are really close mates, teammates, competing for that same spot, and he doesn't want to hold any grudges against you because it's not your fault you got picked right. It's the selectors that, that made that call. But uh, how is that dynamic between players when you miss out for one of your close friends? Uh, it's hard, I think. Yeah, like, I think it probably makes it easier if you are close friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I know that you're always teammates, but you're going to be closer with some guys than others. And I think um, especially when it's a, a, it's a clear um, – replacement like that. It's just a fast bowler for a fast bowler. Obviously, Mitch Marsh came in for Travis Head. Yep. So it's not 100% a like for like. That's more just a team balance thing. So you don't really look at the player as bad when the, when it's a change because like, oh, the team wanted to go a different way for this test match, I understand. Sure. But yeah, when you're taking your mate spot, you and you're both just out and out fast bowlers, you just get picked on your, your, your bowling ability. Um, not so much on, you know, other other skills. It, it, it does make it hard. But I think, it, yeah, it's definitely easier um, at times when you are really close. And um, and obviously, yeah, I've, I've played alongside Starkey since, you know, he debuted when he was a young fella. And I think we've been very close over that, over that time. So it makes it a little bit easier. But like I said, any time you miss out, no matter who, who takes your spot or what happens, even if you're coming off a poor performance, I think, yeah, you're still dirty. You, you, know, you want to be playing. Like I said, you want to play as many games for your country as you can. And um, and when you don't, that's one test that you've missed out on you, had, you, you, could, have, you could have added to. So it, it, it is hard. And sometimes as, as the player, when you take their spot, you don't really know what, you want to, what to say to them. You just, yeah. Sometimes it's just going up and giving them a tap on the, on the, on the back and, and just give or a hug. Like, and you don't even say anything. Um, they know that, yeah, it's not, it's not your fault. And, um, and at the end of the day, if you're close enough, you, you, you wish the best upon the person that takes your spot anyway because uh, hopefully that's winning a, a test for your country. And you just don't give them any drinks when you're running the drinks, do you? Just <laughs> that's right. They, they, they're, usually, yeah, they're, they're usually the one that doesn't run around, run around the boundary to you, but, um, <laughs> but it's all right. 
So on the morning of any test match, selection is one big talking point and the toss is another one. So, Pete, when you got to the ground that morning and saw the pitch, what did you expect Tim Payne was going to do if he won the toss? Well, coming from someone that knows that that ground very well, obviously county cricket, I've played yeah a lot of test matches in England as well. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a ground you bat first on, so yeah. Um, and it's wicket can sometimes be a little bit deceiving that it looks a lot looks better and more bowler friendly than um, than you expect. So um, yeah, I think now it's been well documented. Um, it's um, yeah, and, and obviously uh, the test matches are won from the team that bats first there. Um, but yeah. Tim had um, some confidence in us, and, and like we said, we had we did have a strong bowling unit over there. So, um, and he backed us in. And um, at the end of the day, we couldn't quite produce as well as we could. Um, There's a few drop catches in that first innings that, you know, you take them, um, you put the rest of the players under a bit more pressure, and you bowl them out for sort of you know 70, 80 runs less, and it probably keeps us in the game a bit longer. So, um, at the end of the day. Um, we probably expected the bat, but um, we could potentially could have bowled a little bit better and um, taken our chances along the way, and we could have given ourselves a bit more of a chance throughout that whole test match. Yeah, Pat Cummins gets the first wicket. Uh, Joe Denley caught by juggling Steve Smith at second slip. Like that. And yes, taken at the second attempt. You're into the attack early, and not many people would know this, but you hurt your hip pretty early on. When and, and how did you do that? Um, yeah, it was pretty much... Yeah, the second or third over, I think. Um, I was fielding mid mid on or mid off, um, one or the other, um, and yeah, just I, I, I turned um, quickly, sharp, sort of sharply to, to take off um, to chase the ball that had been hit, hit through the infield, and yeah, I just felt something sort of go in my hip. Um, yeah, and that was that was pretty much it. That was uh, I, um, I felt sore, left it at that, didn't think much of it. Maybe an over or so later. Had a, had a very similar chase again. Couldn't quite turn as sharply and um, didn't have the power taking off. Um, and, yeah, just progressively um, kept getting a bit sore and um, and it just didn't really have the assistance um, that I would have liked um, for the rest of the match. So uh, it's just it's part of the game. Um, there's not much you can do about it. Um, and when there's, yeah, when there's still a hell of a lot of um, <laughs> cricket to be played in the, in the match, then you've got to just give everything you can and, and try and contribute in some way, and um, in the end, I didn't contribute much at all. Did you get uh, Did you get diagnosed? Did they find out what it was? Yeah, so I just like yeah had a had a small tear in in my hip flexor. Oh, so in my back hip flexor, uh, my right leg, so the one I jump off yeah. um, to bowl, um, and yeah, and then and sort of get, yeah, and I get your power when you run. So um, it, yeah, well, it wasn't really um, very helpful throughout the match. So it made it hard to bowl, uh, but. Yeah, like I said, there's, that's just part of the game. Um, that, that injuries happen during games, and and like I said, as a bowler, you just got to keep going as best as you can to help out the other guys because you don't you don't want to go a man down yeah. where they have to do the extra work. So yeah, try, tried doing my best, but um, yeah, there wasn't much of that uh, throughout the the five days. Did it hamper you when you were trying to take that catch of fine leg? You mentioned the drop catch; that was the first one. Uh, you got there, but uh, spilled it. What a let-off. What a let-off for Joe Root this morning. 
Peter Siddle at fine leg, a top edge from a short ball. Did that play on your mind? No, I think it's just like anything. Like even when you chase the ball, it probably wasn't initially when you feel like you, you don't actually feel it. You just worry about your initial thought. The initial thought is, you know, I've, I've got to move into this position to try and catch this ball. Um, I was on the run a bit. I actually got in a good position. I probably I just wasn't didn't have my balance. Um, you know, back to the basics. You get told, you know, get, get to position, get a good, get a good. Um, Balance um, of your feet and watch the ball in, and um, yeah, try catching on the run like a like a full forward leading out. So uh, it sort of just bounced off the hands, and um, it became not super costly, but like I said, those you take a few of those chances that we did uh, miss early on, and you know you get a few other batsmen in earlier, face a newer ball, um, things might have been a little bit different. Yeah, Root was a lucky man. Dropped on 24 then, two overs later. Put down again, Tim Payne, throwing out his right juke and, and drops one off Pat Cummins. And then after lunch, he gets a third life. Steve Smith puts down a diving effort. This time off your bowling. Oh, and dropped. Peter, you were pretty unlucky throughout most of the series. How many catches were dropped off your bowling? I don't know. I think... Um, it got to be half a dozen. I think it was, yeah, I think it was six or seven in the end. Um throughout the, the, the few tests I played. So, um, yeah, a few too many, but, um, yeah, that like that's a part of it. You took the good court and bowls. I mean, I, I was thinking at one point you're like, stuff relying on these blokes, I'll do it myself. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know how. <laughs> that, that's the thing. I took those court and bowls and then I, I, I drop a sort of re, a semi-regulation catch down at fine leg that um, you'd probably you'd, you'd back yourself in and take nine out of ten times or even more. So, um, yeah, I don't really know. I think the unexpected um, and the, the the fast reflexes um, saved me a little bit there. But, um, yeah, obviously with too much time, um, I'm a little bit shaky under it. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Hazelwood gets the breakthrough. Rory Burns gone for 47. Then uh, Mitch Marsh gets a big wicket of Ben Stokes. Pete, where among the players you've played with does Mitch Marsh rank in the best teammate category? He'd have to be number one. I reckon he's my number one. Yeah, he's he's one of my closest mates. I don't think there's there. It'd be it'd be pretty hard for me to press um, anyone else up against him. I'm, yeah, he, he has to be my number one. I think everyone got to see um, his personality and the and the and the person that he actually is off the field through the um, through the doco, which was which was good because obviously over his career um, he's copped a lot of grief um, for his for being selected and then playing in different games, stuff that he can't control. Yeah. Um, and he's been criticised heavily for that stuff. And all he wants to do is play cricket, um, do well, win games for his team and, and have fun with the boys. And, um, yeah, I think after the doco, people actually saw, you know, that saw the, the person that he is and he is. He's a great bloke, great team man. And um, in the end, he got his um, just rewards in that innings um, with his bowling performance. Yes, he certainly did. I always find that funny with selection that um, some fans, I guess they're really fans if they're abusing yeah. players, but uh, they're going after the player for being picked when they've got no control. They don't pick the side. No. <laughs> Go after the that's selectors. The, yeah, that's the, that is the one thing that it just annoys me the most. Like, But, yeah, they should be, if you're potting blokes on social media, they should be just going straight at the selector, not the, not the player. It's not his fault that someone picks him. He just does what he can, and if the selectors deem that good enough to get selected, then he's selected. So, um, yeah, it is always the funny one. It makes me laugh. Um, 
you know, when people people say those type of things, social media, in the crowd, everything. It's um, yeah, it's not as if we're picking picking ourselves on these sides. Yeah, so that's George Bailey now. Direct all your attention to Correct. him. Correct, he is. <laughs> so Joe Root gets another fifty before he's bowled by Pat Cummins. Maidens build pressure. He can't believe it, Joe Root. Root has a poor record, Sids, of converting 50s to 100s. As an opposition bowler, can you notice anything change in Root when he gets to 50 that might explain why he struggles to get to three figures? I don't, I don't know if there's anything that changes, that you see changes with him, but I think as, as, as opposition now, that you know when he gets around that mark, um, that it probably plays on his mind more than us worrying about this bloke being in. Mm. Um, whereas, yeah, most blokes, you know, like you see Steve Smith get past 40, 50, you probably you start to get worried that, oh, how are we going to – we've got to get everyone else out because we're not going to get him out. Whereas I reckon with Root, um, you probably – nowadays you get the confidence that if you keep, you know, you keep the pressure on him, that you're going you're gonna to be – you're half a chance, even though he is in, um, you're half a chance to get him in the next sort of, you know, um, 20, 30 runs because um, he's he probably under more pressure than we are, so – um, I think you, you just keep the confidence when you're bowling to him rather than being worried that this this guy's in and um, settled and going to hurt you. Uh, that uh, Yeah, you sort of keep pressing and keep the pressure on and you usually get an opportunity somewhere along the line. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I don't know how, as a batter, you, you overcome that. I guess you just got to try and work on that mental side of the game because it's technically and skills-wise, he's right up there. No, that's right. And I think it, it shows when you're watching bat. Like it, for a guy that doesn't convert, that well, you know, he's averaging high 40s just under 50. That mm. shows it like to be able to consistently do that when you're not making the huge big scores consistently. Um, that just shows what class player he is. And, you know, who knows if he does start converting those those 50s into more hundreds, um, that average could easily be in the sort of low to mid, mid 50s by the end of his career if he can turn things around. So Pat Cummins has Sam Curran plum LBW, but replay shows showed he overstepped. Oh, out, out, must be out, is out. Brilliant bowling from Cummins. Just a quick no-ball check, as you always should do with Cummins. Cheers from the crowd and Curran walking back. What a moment of good fortune that is for Curran and England. A lot of players say dropping a catch is the worst feeling on a cricket field, but where does taking a wicket off a no-ball rate? No, nothing worse. <laughs> It, it is the worst thing, especially especially as a bowler. It's the worst thing because I reckon the how angry and annoyed the fielders get, mm. which are usually the batsmen. <laughs> at the the other fast bowlers, you know, feel a little bit for the guy because well, you know, like it's disappointing. But you're like, come on, mate, like yeah, we've all been there, sort of thing. Yeah. But where are the batters? The batters that are feel out in the field with you. Oh, they are dirty. They do. They, <laughs> I don't reckon you see them any more angry. Like they might make a duck or they get a bad decision, they're angry. But I reckon it really grinds their gears when, yeah, when we overstep. We get a wicket that we overstep. Like as much as they try and hold it in, you sort of see them walk out of the huddle and they're, they're, you know, kicking the ground, they're cursing, they're, you know, you you can just tell that they're they're not happy with you. Um, So I think, yeah, for us, that is the worst thing um, that we can do. To fix it, is it as simple as taking your mark back half a foot, or is it so much no. of a rhythm thing um, that you, it's you know you just can't change it? Yeah, 
it is just solely rhythm. It's just, yeah, how you feel. It's like you think if you bowl a no ball for, um, for an inch, by an inch, it's like you think you go back to a mark, some blokes walk into it, some blokes go from certain spots. Like yeah. one little inch is like, that's just like you overstep, overstride in your run-up, yeah. which might be 15 metres, 20 metres, 30 metres. You only have only one of those steps, you overstride by an inch, you potentially, that's your, that's your inch that you've gone over the line. So you think when you run in, if you run in 30 metres, you've, say, you've got 25 strides in the 30 metres. You only have to overstride one of those little, um, you know, um, steps yeah. and there's your no ball. So, like, it is it is a fine line. It's not as easy as you think. Um, it's a bit of a, a feel thing. Yeah. Um, and one thing that we probably, we do too much of as fast bowlers, we probably try and push the line the limit too much rather than, you know, playing safe and having our toes sort of just touching the line, which means if you, if you sort of, you, you've got a bit of leeway. Um, but I think as fast bowlers, you want to get closer, closer to that front line as, as you can. It feels like you bowl a bit quicker, put a bit more pressure on the batsman, but in the scheme of things, um, when you see what happens there, um, it becomes, yeah, a costly mistake. What do you think about the third umpire looking at no balls? Um, yeah, I think it um, it probably gets us a, a bit. Will will get us a lot more consistent now, won't it? That, yeah. um, like I said, you're probably not not got to push the push the um, limit as much. Get that foot back, be comfortable, and, and just go with it. Um, I think all in all, it's gonna it's just gonna save the arguments of oh, it should have been a no ball. Why wasn't it called? Um, what's the umpire watching? Uh, so yeah, I think in the at the end of the day, if more get called, it's going to get called consistently. Um, it should make the bat now the now the umpire watch LBs a lot more consistently. So it should um, make LB decisions um, be a, be at a higher percentage of, of you know consistency rather than um, them having to concentrate on the no ball than the LB missing opportunities, um, calling bad ones. Um, it should it should even it out a little bit. Mitch March finishes the day with four wickets as Josh Butler hits out late. And again, Labuschagne again, but picking out the stand. 50 for Josh Butler. Pete, are you surprised Butler hasn't had more success at test match level? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think um, it's sort of hard to say because the way he bats, um, it's, not, it's not always the most suited um, style to play with in England, um, mm. I think, on the wickets they play. So he's probably judged a little bit um, on uh, on wickets and conditions that probably aren't batter-friendly um, in England. And and because and, and he is an aggressive player, he bats with the tail a lot as well. Um, and knowing him, and um, I've, I've played with him and, and against him a lot, is that he won't die wondering. So if the tail come in, He's just thinking, get as many runs as I can, then batting time and, and just seeing what they can get batting together. So he's probably given his wicket up a, a, um, a lot in those opportunities as well. I think, yeah, the the way that you see him batting one-day cricket and T20 cricket and how successful he is, um, there's no doubting that he can have you know, ex- extended um, success in the test arena, um, especially batting down at six or seven. Um from the yeah, from what he's done at international level in the other format. That's a good point you make about the conditions because you'd think on Australian wickets, which are 
faster and generally true bounce. Jeez, uh, he could have some success out here next time at England tour. Yeah, that's right. He could. Um, I think he, he, he hasn't in the pre, in the previous times. Um, he's been out here and in, in playing international cricket and even you know um, played a bit of big bash and stuff like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, he doesn't because that's a, that's a good thing for Australia. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that you know if it clicks, it clicks, and he ends up having a good test career. Um, or it, it just doesn't, and he just keeps going about his thing and playing the way he does in one-day cricket, P20 cricket, which is bloody exciting to watch. Um, even <laughs> even um, from from an Aussie, you know what I mean? To watch him play the way he does sometimes, it's it's quite impressive. Here's my prediction. What, 15 months out from the next Ashes series, uh, Butler will make at least 100 in the next Ashes series. Put that on. We'll put that on records to say. You're knows. saying he's making one before the Ashes series no, no. in the lead up, or no. you're saying he is making one in the Ashes. In the series? Ashes, yeah. Okay. In Australia. Well, he'd want to. He'd want to try and make one or two in the meantime, or he won't be. He won't be getting to the Ashes. He just got one to make that one. He just got one. He's all right. Yeah, but I'm talking. He's, he's, he's not that far away. He's got to make. He's got to make some runs in between as well. Well, I'm backing There's going to be a lot of a lot of test matches. I'm backing him to get picked and to make a hundred. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, so stumps day one. England eight for two seventy one. Next day Cummins gets Butler for eighty one, and Mitch Marsh removes Leach for his fifth wicket. Ah, he's played it on. It is five. The Mitchell Marsh. A wonderful moment for him. His first fifer in Test cricket, and you can see the delight on his face and the delight that uh, his teammates have for him. England all out for 291. Having bowled first, Pete, uh, happy with that? I mean, it could have been a whole lot better if you guys had held your catches, but 291 on that wicket, played there a lot. How did you assess that score? Yeah, it, it actually it, it wasn't as bad in the end. But yeah, when you expect to bat first um, and then you're not. Um, to get a team out under 300 as a batting team, your first innings batting first, you want it, the targets always to get past 300, um, and then see where you get to. So for us, yeah, to get them to get them under 300, it's a it's a little bit of a win. But like I said, um, yeah, you take a few of those opportunities, even though most of the opportunities were the same batsman route. Um, it just makes a difference. You get someone else in a little earlier, um, start attacking them while the ball's a bit newer. Uh, you know, it puts it puts a lot more pressure on the on the rest of the batting lineup. So, two ninety, not bad. Um, but when you bowl first, you ideally, yeah, you ideally want to be sort of low twos. Um, best case scenario, um, one eighty. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll, we were a, a, a little bit off where we where we would have liked to be. By lunch on day two, as it happened, all serious for both sides. The openers were out. Were you, like most of your teammates, most comfortable when Steve Smith was out there batting? Always. I think it, it, even when you knew, knew he was next in, like even if he was next in or wherever he was, like you're comfortable um, until he got out. Yeah. So even if you lost a couple of wickets early, you're still comfortable because you had Smitty, you, you, you felt fine. Um, so that was always a, a nice feeling, especially when you're a tail ender. Um, obviously the batsmen start to get a little bit nervy. There's a couple of wickets down and Smitty's in. But um, as a tail ender, you're just like, oh, this bloke's going to bat. For at least a day, so yeah. Um, so that counts you, counts us out not having to do too much work yet, and hopefully we just need some batters to hang around with him. Um, so yeah, it, it is comf- comforting knowing that uh, you have you have Smitty in your team, um, potentially going to yeah put in a big one for you. 
Could you believe when you first laid eyes on him in that in that Test match? What twenty ten, and then he played in the Ashes twenty ten eleven later. That's that's um that year. He was this sort of chubby, blonde haired leg spinner. Could you believe that back then uh, he would turn into one of Australia's greatest Test batsmen ever? I don't think a lot of the players that played with him probably thought that. Yeah. Um, initially, like I knew he had talent and a lot of it. But, yeah, to see what, to where he is now, I think, you know, I reckon Punner was nearly one of the only ones that probably saw him as a genuine out-and-out batter. I know he was picked as a, pretty much a spinner then and, you know, bat down the order, bowl some leggies, stuff like that. But Punner genuinely saw him as, like, this bloke's going to be an unbelievable batter. Um, and, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't reckon everyone would have thought that and I don't think ev- everyone did. Um, but yeah, to see it now uh, and watch him bat, um, bat with him, watch him from the non-strikers end. Uh, obviously, I've batted with a lot of players over my career, but mm. yeah, it's it's just a different level. Just the zone he gets into and the way he plays, it's quite amazing to watch. And he had all those quirks back then too, didn't he? You know, he had all those um, yeah. mannerisms at the crease, but he was even a, a rarer unit when he first started, right? No, that's right. I think, yeah, people obviously go, oh, he's got worse as he's, as he's got better and older and stuff like that. But I don't think it's changed that much. It's just that now he's batting for longer. <laughs> so, you, so, you, so you see a, you see it a lot more um, and it lasts a lot longer because he spends so, time out in the, such, uh, so much time out in the middle. So I think that's why people think it's more rare now. But no, he, he was exactly the same when he first started. Uh, he was fiddling around when he'd have the ball in his hand bowling and um, and he's always been the same with his batting. Uh, it's just, yeah, like I said, we we he spends so much time out there that that's all you see. Uh, that's all it seems like we're watching. Yeah. Now Steve Smith 2.0 was Marnus Labashane, and those guys were out there and they put on 69 together before Marnus was trapped. LBW. Oh, close, very close. Yeah, given. How well did you know Marnus before that series, and how much did his energy impact the team? Yeah, we'd known him a bit. He obviously toured in um, the UAE uh, the season the year before. Yep. Um, so we got to experience him there. Um, and we, we knew he was a little bit of a different cat. <laughs> um, but we didn't know how much because he was still young, still a bit shy. Um, but, yeah, he definitely came out of his shell in England. Not not, not even before he started playing um, and doing well. It was, I think, once he you know got to know Smitty, Smitty got to know him and they just hit it off because... They they are very similar. I think you know they love batting, they love cricket. Um, they're rare, and and they fidget around. They just and they just so um, once they yeah obviously got acquainted, spent a lot of time together early on in that series. You could tell that they were you know going to hit it off, and um, and Marnus just kept making runs as well. And I think from there that you know his confidence grew and his personality and um, and, out, and out it came and um, he is good fun to have around the group because yeah his, his um, bubble and energy and you know just youthful exuberance just get, it gets, gets everyone else up uh, so it was actually it was actually good fun to, to see him up and going and and, 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 and doing well because like I said it did get the group um, buzzing how did he go off the field you, on the docker you see uh, you guys playing cards and he doesn't quite grasp some of the rules or how to spell certain words how was he like then <laughs> he's not yeah and, and not being harsh he knows this and he and he hang, hangs a, um, um, 
plenty of banter on himself, but he, he's not the smartest bloke going around. Um, and, 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 and he admits that he knows it, but, he, but he's learning. Um, Different but, kind of smart. Different kind he of smart. Is, he yeah. is. Um, yeah, he knows, how to, he knows how to construct an innings and bat. Yeah. So that, 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 and that's all we need from him. Yeah. Um, but uh, nah, he and I think being the young, he, he was the young one, obviously not by age. Um, actually, he might have been in that group anyway. But just the, from experience and the, and the amount of tours he'd been on, he, he was still the young guy of the, of the whole group. So um, to be fair, he, he always copped the banter. Um, I think he was always the one that, that the boys were giving it to, and you know, laughing at. He was always the the butt of all the jokes. So. Um, he, he, he does cop a lot, and to be fair, he handles it very well. So um, good on him for that. Um, but yeah, he didn't win too many cards games, that's for sure. <laughs> I think Josh Hayeswood took a lot of money off him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By T Australia is four for one forty-seven, uh, but Smith is still there. Very sweet, very very sweet indeed. Just. So easy it seems sometimes, Stephen Smith. Wickets tumble around him, but then the unthinkable happens, Pete. He's out. He misses one on his pads, and he's gone for less than a hundred. That's close and given. Walks is the man into his eighth over, and he found a way to breach his defence. Well, we've been asking the question for the last two months: How do you get Steve Smith out? This was one of the many the answers, one of the many answers supplied by all sorts of people. The straight ball, and for once he's missed it. What's your strategy when a player returns to the dressing room? Do you let them be, or do you get around them straight away? No, you, you let them be. You let them be for a little bit because no matter what they've made, you know, whether they've made a duck or they've, um, they've made a hundred, they're just as much disappointed that they've got got out. Mm. Um, I think, you know, like even if they've made 100 and it's a great innings and they come in, they're going to be disappointed with that shot or, the, or how they've got out at that, at that time. So, um, yeah, they're just as dirty um, on themselves. Um, if they've made the duck, you probably have to leave them for half an hour and, or even longer. But if they've made, uh, they've made runs and performed well, you probably, yeah, give them 10 or 15 minutes and let them, you know, let them get their gear off and, you know, freshen up and, um, and then give them a pat on the back and, and help him out, but uh, yeah, it's, it's always a tough one, especially Smitty. He's, he's in so much of a zone uh, when he's out in the middle that it actually, whether he makes any runs or no, um, or no, no runs, you've got to give him a bit of time anyway because he's yeah. he's in a different world um, than most blokes. Australia get bowled out for two hundred and twenty-five. Jofra Archer finishes with six for sixty-two. Pete, did you think he would adapt to Test cricket so quickly and so effectively? Yeah, I think so. I think. Um, he, he had a, a very good first-class um, mm. career already with Sussex leading up to that. So he'd, he'd played a lot of red ball and he'd, and he'd had success in red ball. I think over the last, well, the previous couple of years leading up, he hadn't played a lot of red ball cricket. So that, that was probably always going to be the big worry is, yeah, how will he go? Because he'd been concentrating so much on white ball. He'd played so much white ball for for England and, and, you know, T20s around the world that he'd missed opportunities to, um, to play a bit more red ball cricket. So if anything, it was, it was more that he might be a bit rusty and, and how he'd go. But, you know, he, I think his personality and, and how he is, he sort of rose to the occasion, um, not all the times throughout that series, but um, he definitely got on the back of the, the crowd and, and the buzz of the team. And um, when he did get on a roll, um, 
it was hard to stop him. And uh, I think that showed a few times throughout that series that when he got up and about, his teammates got a, got around him, um, and the and, and the fans in the in the crowd got buzzing. That uh, you know he he was very hard to stop. Yeah, that stumps England are none for nine, and could have been one down had Marcus Harris held on to a catch off Joe Denley. And it's like he's lost that. It's hit nowhere near the middle of his hands. At this stage in the series, Pete, uh, is the coach Justin Langer, is he prone to give you guys a spray after being so late in the series? Or And did he deliver one after day one, or am I making that up? I think there's always a little there's, a, there's, a, there's always a little bit of disappointment, I think. I, I can't remember. I've got the greatest memory. And, yeah. Um, even if he sprayed me personally, I, I probably wouldn't remember it anyway. But, um, <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's, it's always... Uh, um, that's always a tough one. I think there's always a bit of a spray when you're behind, mm. no matter the situation and what's happened that day. Um, yeah, there's always a little bit of a spray, you know, about trying to lift your game and and uh, you know start, start getting the game going in um, going your way. And um, by that stage, it was it was it was only going one way, and it went, and it wasn't ours. Yeah, Australia needed ten wickets for as few runs as possible on day three, but it didn't happen as more drop catches and a determined England batting effort saw the host score eight for 304 and lead by nearly 400 at stumps. You took two wickets, Joe Denley for 94 to prevent him from a maiden Ashes 100 and then Butler for 47 in what would be your last international wicket. How was the body feeling at that point and were you pretty sure that that was the last time you'd take a test match wicket? Um, yeah, yeah, the body, the body wasn't great. Um, but I was getting through, I, I don't, my, the, the two wickets, obviously, yeah, they, they, they're two wickets on paper, but they weren't the, what I can sort of recall, they weren't still the, <laughs> the greatest, um, you would, I don't, they'd probably got two highlights that I'd be watching back anyway. I don't think they were the greatest looking wickets. No, the Denley um, one but, was all right. It was an edge to, uh, Steve Smith at first list. Oh, God, yeah! what a beauty. I'm gone. Terrific piece of bowling from Peter Siddle. But the, I think, but you know, the bad thing was I think Tim Payne was standing up to the stumps. So yeah, I think I was, I think I was, I was struggling to get through, and, um, and 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 it just got there. But um, I think the Butler one was he smacked it somewhere and a good catch. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it was um, obviously good that to get a couple of wickets because it had, it had been hard work and sort of toiling away to try and get a breakthrough and just try and help the guys out and actually you know do something in the match. Um, firstly, but um, yeah, nice to finish with some. I probably didn't 100% know that was going to be my last test wicket. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was in the end. And, and like I said, it, it, it's not a bad place. If You know, I couldn't finish my test career in Australia. Um, England's a place that, that, I, that, I would, that I wanted to finish. So um, I've got a lot of friends and family uh, over there and a lot of close mates that are English. So um, to be able to finish it there is um, not a bad result either. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but how about the team? You said that you were getting through the body was a bit sore, but how how was the team? It's been such an intense, emotionally draining series uh, and a long time away from home for some of the players. How much gas was left in the tank at that point? I think it was running out, I think, and, and, and probably the momentum and the way the game was going. Um, it, 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 it was just making it a little bit more deflating as we went on. As much yeah. as you're trying hard, you want to win everything like that, but you could just tell that all that energy and um, everything we'd put into the previous two test matches, obviously the, the downer in Headingley and the up again in Manchester and get the result that we wanted. Um, it, yeah, you could see it was taking its toll. And, you know, if, if you're in front at that stage, you're probably going to be able to have enough momentum to roll on over and, and 
the buzzer, the buzzer being in front of the game, um, you know, pulls you through. But I think, yeah, by that point, uh, you know, the, the momentum was all in England's favour. Um, we'll just sort of plodding along to, you know, hopefully get something out of it. That, uh, uh, it, yeah, the, the sort of the energy was just dying right off. Well, day forward proved to be the last day inside five overs. Australia wrapped up the last two England wickets. Line finishing with four for 69. England all out for 329 to set Australia 399 to win. Now, Pete, we'd already seen one record chase that series. Was there any hope or belief of chasing that one down? I think you always had the belief, like you said. It happened uh, previously and um, we definitely had the firepower and the, and, the, um, and the players to do it. But it was always going to take... Um, one hell of an innings um, from from one player, and then an, another really big innings from someone else um, to support him. So it was always a big task. Um, and like I said throughout this whole thing, is that you know the, the, the few missed opportunities throughout that whole Test match, you know where we're chasing three ninety nine. You, you do do a few things right um, over over the previous few days, and it might be only a you know a, a two fifty to to three hundred chase which can still be hard in, in a fourth innings, um, but it gives yourself a lot more of a chance than having the trip line, you know, break records. And, uh, yeah, in the end, it was just uh, far too great. Yeah, Australia, four for 85 inside 27 overs. And one of those four wickets was Steve Smith. Oh, what a catch. All the plans. That's a golden ticket. Fantastic. Sure broad. Turn my hat off, mate. That was fantastic. You set him up, you pushed him back. Fantastic catch. Can't keep him out of the game, Ben Stokes. What a great tour this man's had, though. Annuation he should get. He might well have gone for 23, but it's about 800 other runs. Smith gone for 23, finally out to that legside trap England had set all series, but there was still some fight left through Matthew Wade. Wade made 117, but it was his batter with Archer that captivated the crowd seeds. Archer would dig it in, bowl short, bowl fast, and Wade would just wear it on the body. And then when he did get off strike, he'd bellow his calls to the non-striker. You played with a lot of tough cricketers. But where does Wade rank in the uh, the toughest cricketers you've played with? Almost arranged for wearing all those blows on the body. <laughs> I think it's a bit of both. I think, um, <laughs> I think no, no matter how tough or um, scared of it you are, you don't want to be wearing the ball on your body. No. Um, but, but for some unknown reason, uh, a little bit like Adam Sandler um, standing there and, <laughs> and, and, and copping and the ball straight on the body, he is pretty much just doing that. So I think that's just stupidity more than um, more than toughness. But no, nah, in all honesty, he is um, one of my favourite players to, to play alongside. Uh, we've played a lot for Australia together, um, played a lot at Victoria together. Um and now I'm down, I've come back to his home, his home state to, yeah. to play cricket with him at um, in Tasmania. So he is actually one of my favourite teammates. Um, he's always someone that I want to have in my team alongside me, just because of the fight that he has. Um, he kicks me and he has a crack. And um, I think yeah, to, to see him finish off that series from pretty much you know six months before that, probably didn't know if he was ever going to play for Australia ever again. Um, to finish the series the way he did, um, he deserved it. And you know he's still he's still around the Australian setup now. I think it shows what type of player he is and what type of bloke he is. Would he be one of those players you described as a guy you love to have on your team, but would 
very much dislike if he was an opponent. I think uh, Dave Warner might fit into that category as well. But would would Matty Wade be there as well? Yeah, Matty is. I think my my two favourite players, and they're both um, two of my closest mates over the years, are playing alongside and would would have to be um, yeah Matty Wade and Brad Haddon. And I think yeah. you know both key for batsmen. Um, they both play the game exactly the same way, and yeah, there's obviously something about them that, that that's the way I like like players to play and yeah I just love playing um, with those two because I knew they had my back I had theirs and um, I knew they'd fight till the end and um, Maddie's definitely got that um, so yeah I'm looking forward to being back alongside him now in state cricket he came over to my home and played alongside me at Victoria now I'll come back and uh, repay the favour down here so hopefully uh, a few more good games together um, yeah absolutely now Wade finished on 117 his second 100 of this series is a tremendous Ashes 100 from Matthew Wade. That is a fine effort today, showing tremendous spirit, guts, application. Fourth Test Match 100 for him. He's had plenty to say for himself, but he's let his bat do the talking today. But the Aussies uh, collapsed to be uh, uh, all out for 263 and lose by 135 runs. again this time it's a diving catch that means that England have taken this final match of this Ashes series it squares the series to all and how disappointing was it to lose that last test match and not win the Ashes and just retain them in the end uh, massive in the end I think probably at the, at the at that time obviously disappointing to lose but we retained you know you have the, the trophy ceremony presentation everything and there's a good buzz around um but I think it's probably not until, yeah, you sort of get away. You have a couple of days, you get away, you get home, and um, and you look back on that series and you just look back over the whole series and the, the opportunities that we missed throughout at different stages. Um, even, it, like I said, it was one of the most memorable series I've ever played with and very happy with the result. Um, you do look back on it with, you know, it could have been um, even better. Um, and to, to win the series would have been like it would have topped it off beautifully and would have been probably probably the greatest series I've got to play in but um, in the end um, it is what it is and yeah um, it, it, is, it is hard to retain the Ashes and it's been a long time since we've retained it over there so um, yeah in the end it was still a good result Okay we'll wrap up with some questions uh, what was your favourite on field moment of the series? Um, I think as much as it was sort of a di- disappointing thing I think just the the whole time batting with um, Smitty in that first test when we when I went out to bat with him and we were pretty much eight for just over a hundred. I think that partnership, that's probably yeah, that partnership that I had with Steve in that um, first test. Um, even though like I missed out on my fifty, I didn't didn't stay out there with him to, to get his hundred, which was all I was thinking about. Um, it was disappointing that I couldn't uh, do that, but yeah, that whole partnership I think um, uh, would would be where yeah, probably up there with my best highlight. Yeah, what was it? Can you just take us out there? What was it like when you um, joined him at the in the middle? Uh, how was the vibe of the ground? Because you know Birmingham Edgbaston, uh, it was uh, some considering the top fifteen most hostile grounds in the world. Tim Payne, not so much, but uh, uh, they, they they certainly do give it to the the visitors. Um, what was it like out there? And and what was Steve Smith like? Uh, I think the lucky thing about that situation is that no one expects you. 
like it doesn't matter if you get out for a duck really because everyone else has struggled anyway. So like yeah. you've you've got no pressure. Um, everyone's just like, oh, hopefully you can stay out there for a little bit with Smitty. Maybe they get you know twenty or thirty runs, and you know we can get it up to one fifty, one sixty, and see what happens. Um, so yeah, you there's you don't you don't worry too much about. It. You actually just go out there and enjoy it. I think you know it's, there's not super pressure when you get out there talking to Smitty and. Um, it was just about batting and having fun. And I think it, it gets more serious when you start getting, you know, your partnership moves into 40, then 50, mm-hmm. up to 60. I think that's when you start getting nervous. And then that's when, you know, um, but you usually come unstuck because you actually start worrying. You start wanting to bat properly. You don't want it. And then you don't want to get out. Um, but up until then, um, yeah, you just, you're just having fun and enjoying it. So I think that's what made it easier that there wasn't too much pressure going out there. It was just about, yeah, so you see if we can get a few runs and a few's better than none. Yeah, absolutely. What was your favourite off-the-field moment of the series? And this includes dressing room, bus, cha- uh, you know, a team hotel. What was your favourite off-the-field moment? Well, the, it, it, the, the bus is always unbelievable. I've always loved the England tour because you get on the bus, you have your, you have your sort of um, – your partner that sits across from you on the um, on the seat over your table, and it's just an enjoyable time. Um, different groups around the bus, everyone's doing different things, having fun. It's an exciting time. Um, but yeah, the, the the big one would be Manchester in the change rooms. Obviously, you know there's those reenactments and the banter, but I think just yeah, just being in there and just enjoying each other's company, um, enjoying the success um, of the series series to that point, um, which ended up being the the end point for us. Um, that was that. That's where our excitement finished, and the and the series finished for us, really. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, that moment was yeah, just one that um, I'll look back on with yeah, very fond memories. Can you take us through the Ashes tour bus from from the front of the bus to the back? Who who was normally sitting where, and what those clicks were? Um, so we got the double decker. So oh, well, not double decker, but you sort of came on at a lower deck where the driver sat, and there was a seat down the bottom. Davey Warner was always down there with the driver, Popeye. Yeah. Um, they they they're very close from over the years. Popeye's always been our bus driver, and um, and Davey's pretty much been the number one pest, and he just sits there just to annoy him, really. Uh, Frankie, <laughs> the security guard down the bottom with him, um, trying to keep Davey in check so he doesn't distract the driver, um, was pretty much how it started. But then once you got up top, it was yeah, it was always the, the different groups of people. I think there was uh, you know Wadey, Marshy. Um, I can't remember who else was up the front. They'd usually be on there, you know, watch, watch, watching some YouTube or watching something on Netflix, um, some doco or something like that, listening to music. Um, and uh, I was, I was, my my uh, partner was was the goat, um, right. Gazza the goat. He was, um, and we and we just you know have a bit of fun, play a bit of cards. We did a little bit of everything, watch some watch some videos. Um, are you in the sleep. middle? Are you in the middle of the bus there? Yeah, we're middle of the bus. Um, pretty much in between the front and the middle was the was the coaches and staff. Yep. Um, and they'd just be you know they just they just be doing being being nerdy and you know <laughs> doing doing cricket stuff because that's all they think about. Um, but then up the back it was pretty much yeah everyone else and that was just cards. The boys just playing different type of card games, um, laughing, joking, yahooing, always probably teasing Manus about being no good at cards and always and and always losing his money at. Any 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 little game we played, so um, there's always good banter up there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just enjoyable. I think over the years, you know, there's been blokes playing the guitars and um, and, and and different type of things, um, PlayStation or whatever it might be on the TV. So 
it, it is enjoyable fun and I think it makes for a fun trip because, uh, yeah, it's obviously um, a pretty small country, so you stay on the bus to get around, um, but that makes it very enjoyable. Over the years, you would have sat next to a lot of different teammates. Who's the one guy that you didn't want to get stuck next to? And you've, your career's pretty much done. Right? <laughs> you can say whoever, mate. You can go for it. Um, well, you'd probably say Davey because he is, he is a bit of a pet. And, and, and likes keeping like, likes keeping everyone up and about. So if you're trying to sleep, he's probably not going to let you sleep. Hmm. Um, and he's yahooing and jumping around. He's always got a lot of energy. Um, but I think I'd probably have to say Shane Watson, and not because yeah, I, I enjoyed his company. I, lo- I loved it all about it. But like I just said, there's always the odd guy that might play his guitar or something like that. Um, he could play the guitar, and he was actually quite nice to listen to. But sometimes when you're on the bus, you just don't want too much noise. You just sort of want to relax, relax into your chair and just and just have a bit of a sleep. Um, but yeah, you just didn't really get a chance when he was he was up the back playing his guitar. So it's probably out for him. Sorry, Watto. And, and finally, when you look back on the whole series, was it mission accomplished for the Australian team, or is there unfinished business there? It probably has to be a bit of both. I think I think it had been, I can't even remember exactly, but it had been about 18 years, hadn't it, since yep. we'd retained the Ashes in England. So if you look at it like that, um, and I'd been on the three previous tours um, and achieve, accomplished nothing. So if you look at it from that point of view, um, it's definitely, um, um, obviously, yeah, for the tour, accomplished. You're happy with the result and what we achieved from it. Um, but if you sort of look at it like like we have over the whole series um, of opportunities that we missed throughout, um, it is definitely yeah a series that went begging in the end, and and we fell short on. So as much as it was a was a high and, and a great accomplishment, um, I think yeah, there's always going to be those um, those little things that you know sort of just keep us guessing of what what might have what might have been in that series. There you go. That wraps up uh, part six of our Ashes Revisited series and the Ashes Revisited series as a whole. Big thank you to all our guests, including today's Peter Siddle. Thank you, mate. And congratulations on what was it? A truly terrific career for Australia. So um, to be very proud, mate. And uh, thank you for coming on. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. And yeah, obviously, yeah. It's great to, great to play a small part um, in that series and um, over my career. But uh, yeah, exciting to what's going to come in the, the next couple of Ashes here because like I said hopefully the boys yeah can uh, do some different things and uh, really finish those uh, palms off watch out for that Joss Butler 121 22 <laughs> mate I, I hope he doesn't even make it because uh, that, 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 that's an even better result so we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> very good thank you mate cheers mate that's it for the Ashes Revisited series but the Unplayable Podcast is back next week we're going to wrap up Australia's limited overs tour of England so until then for all your cricket news live scores and video highlights head to cricket.com.au and the CA live app Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.